Praise the Lord. I'm going to have a word of prayer before I get started. <clears throat> Father, we thank you, Lord God, for gathering us here this morning, Lord, and we ask for you to move in this place, Lord God. We ask that you touch the heart and the lives of your people, Lord God. I ask that I decrease and you increase, Lord God. Speak through me to your people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, I want to share this quote from um, Billy Graham. Um, he once said this. He said, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. So I want to say to all the fathers, happy Father's Day. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> so um, the reason being is that we live in a society, in a world where, you know, fathers are overlooked. Fathers are not really being celebrated. And us as men, a lot of times what we do is we don't really look for the clout. We kind of just say, I'm going to stay in my own lane and I'm fine with not being celebrated. But take the time out to be recognized, especially when we're in living in a land where fatherlessness is on an on-time high. So, you know, I bless you guys, you know, continue to be encouraged. Amen. So with that being said, <laughs> we got a Father's Day message. And I'm going to be transparent. I really didn't want to do a Father's Day message, but I just believe that the Lord was just leading me this way because a lot of times what happens is that because we, there are certain um, effects that happens in our lives that we now look at the Father from a whole other perspective because of certain things or certain um, proclivities and because certain people wasn't stepping up to the plate, we now haven't perception about God that is totally distorted. So I believe that God wants to reveal our heart, his heart to us today. And, and the reason being is this is because I, I believe that the enemy, even though we know that the veil has been torn, right? Scripture tells us that, you know what I mean? When Jesus did what he did, said that the veil was torn from the top all the way down to the bottom. But I believe that the enemy holds up a veil in front of us because he doesn't want us to see God's heart exposed to us. So what does that look like sometimes? It could be doubt, meaning where you feel ashamed because you made certain decisions. And now you feel like, you know what, I have to now disassociate myself with the Heavenly Father because I'm unworthy. That's a lot of times how people will start viewing themselves. I'm less than. I don't mount up. You know what I mean? So women, I'm, I'm going to let you know this too, that this message is for you. It's just not for the fathers. All right? Amen? Amen. So... I want to show you guys, I want you to dive in a little bit of my world. Um, this is a picture of my, my kids, right? I love them. You know what I mean? These, they're, they're my heart. You know what I mean? They, outside of my wife, you know I mean? They are my heart beat. I want them to obtain everything that God has for them. You know what I mean? I want them to be able to just soar. I want to be the individual that, that pulls back that bow and they just fly. Right? Yes. But how many know that seasons of life happens? As they get older, a lot of times what happens is because their perception about certain things, they become distant. And God was just showing me that sometimes that's how we are as well. We become distant. 
because there are certain perceptions that we have about him because we're not happy with ourselves. Like, they don't understand that I enjoy being around them. When they call me, especially the older three, when they call me, oh, I love to talk. I could be busy, and they'll say, are you busy? I'll say, no, I'm not busy. Because <laughs> I enjoy fellowshipping and talking with them. So let's look at this quote, though. I have this quote here from C.S. Lewis. He says this. He says, though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. So he's making a statement here that God's love is solidified. Nothing can change that. Any of us that are parents, I don't care how upset your kids make you, your love never dissipates. Your love never changes for them. It doesn't matter what they do. Your love is still solid. I don't love you any less. And I don't care how many kids you have, you don't love one more than the other. So we have an understanding and perception now that when God being creator, he lo- his love is not where he has a favoritism towards any individual. You know I mean, his love covers a multitude of sins, right? So what happens? What happens? It's because a lot of times we're not connected to God through his word. I remember talking to somebody, right? And they were sharing with me that some advice they gave somebody else. They said, uh, I was talking to this guy and he was saying that he couldn't go to sleep, right? And he said, so I told him, read the Bible because the Bible will put you to sleep. <laughs> and I was like, wow. But, but let's, let, watch this though. Let, let's look at this from this perspective. Let's just say that, right? You were about to fix a dinner for your loved one, right? And I mean, it's all the fixing that they wanted. The ambiance is real good. You know what I mean? You took your time out to set the table. You took your time out to decorate. And then when you get to the table, the food is all picked over. And they're asleep at the other end of the table. Not only that, what if when you come back to the table... They're not even there. See, this is the image that happens a lot of times when we disassociate ourselves with God's word is that when he comes to, because he wants to be in fellowship with us. He wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with us. And a lot of times what happens when we don't show up, he's sitting there like, I just want to get to know you. I want to expose myself to you. Now, the only time you might show up is when you need something. I, I, I listen, um, I got this going on. Or what's going on. He said, sit down and take it eat. Okay, all right, I'm going to eat. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to watch my figure so I, 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 mean, I can eat and run. But we have to understand something that God wants to be intimate, close, personal with us. Yes. Amen. Let's look at this word father for a minute. <clears throat> says a father... This is, this is profound, y'all. It says, a father, right? This word father means a source of life. A father gives his child or children their identity. So what does that mean? What does that look like? We already know that the child is the mother because she gives birth. But when that father holds that child up and he says, you have my last name, you've now identified that child unto the world. Not only that, let's look at it like this. So anybody that has dogs or anything like that, so with puppies, what happen a lot of times, they'll imprint on you. 
So what they'll do is they'll close. They, they won't go too far away from you because what they're doing is they're getting familiar with your voice. They're getting familiar with who you are. So even though might, they might be exploring, they're not going to go too far. Well, this is the same perspective that we have to have when it comes to God. We got to stay so close to him that we know his voice, that we hear from him, and that we're connected with him. Now, as that dog grows up, it only goes to your commands. Stop, sit down, and they'll sit. Because they have an understanding of what packs are. They understand also not, not just because of what packs, but they understand your authority, who you are in their lives. Now, if you have a rogue dog, a lot of times people will say, I have to get rid of that thing, you know what I mean? But... <laughs> But what we have to understand is this, that God desires for us, y'all, to have intimacy with him. So that, can, that, that intimacy we, we have with him is called eternal life. We're going to look at John 17 and 3. Let me give you a backstory so that we can come up to where we're at right now. So Jesus is in the garden and he's praying. He, this is his prayer that he's praying unto the Father. This is right before that he was getting ready to be crucified. You know what I mean? He's ready to be portrayed. So Jesus, John 17 and 3 says this. Jesus gives us a, a definition of eternal life. He says this. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. We got to catch that. This is eternal life that they may know you, the, one, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. So what is Jesus saying here? That this eternal life that he's talking about, y'all, that he's referring to, it's not just existing forever. forever. You got to understand this, that either you're going to live eternity in heaven or in hell. So he's not talking about, oh, you're just existing. This eternal life that he's talking about is not merely a continuation of life, but the experience of God's reality. That's what he's talking about, is experience God's reality. What is God's reality? His reality is having an intimate, close, personal relationship with mankind so that he can now expose himself to his creation. So this intimacy, right? Check this out. This intimacy is uninterrupted, deepening knowledge and experience of God. This is the purpose for which we were created. This is not just a hid knowledge. It's not a hid knowledge of knowing God. It's living in fellowship with him. If we continue on with four, four tells us this. He says, I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So what Jesus said is this, okay, I'm the body, the embodiment, the, the embodiment of God here on earth. There are certain things that you now told me to do. So I did that. And what I did was I revealed mankind unto you. Meaning that when Jesus walked the earth, he revealed God in the flesh unto mankind, right? So now here's the kicker, y'all, because now we, now, because Jesus couldn't go outside of the region of where he was at. So if you ever look in scripture, it says that he traveled like 300 miles from, from where he lived at. So for order for the gospel to move around, there had to be another entity. 
There had to be another person. And that came in the person of the Holy Spirit. So now we are supposed to be imitators of what Christ did here on earth. You, you ever walked around, you ever came in contact with somebody and they were with their kids and they didn't even have to tell you that they were the kids. You looked at them and be like, oh my God, they look just a splitting. They look just like them. And then when they talk, they sound just like them. The mannerism, how they operated, how they moved, it was just, they were imitators of their parents. So watch this. When the Spirit now lives inside of us, we become imitators of Christ. Meaning now, because what happens is the Spirit of God testifies of Jesus Christ. When, when Jesus says here, I testify, he glorified the Father. So in return, when we get spirit-filled, what happens, we, our revelation about Jesus and God connects. We have an understanding like, wow, my mind is now blown. Because I now understand who he is in my life. I now understand that he's my redeemer. I now understand who he's redeeming me to. The Old Testament declares God. So what we see in the Old Testament is God telling people who he is. The New Testament puts him on display in the image of Jesus Christ. He's wrapped in flesh, now walking on the earth. I'm going to say that again. The Old Testament declares God to make known. So God says, I'm going to tell you who I am. The New Testament says, I'm going to manifest who I am. So we're going to go to John. Matter of fact, no, we're going to go to Exodus. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Now, I want to do a back. I, I'm a back. I, I know, God. I'm, I'm a backstory you to death. Because I want you to have clarity of what's going on. So, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. This is where, this is, a, this is now Moses asking God, look, I, I want you, I, I want to, show me your glory. Now, this is after, y'all, when he now goes down sees the children of Israel, worshiping the calf. He gets upset. He goes back up, and now he's saying, okay, God, I, I need you to show me your glory. This is the same individual, y'all, who saw the burning bush. This is the same individual who, when he threw his rod down and it turned into a serpent, it now swallowed up Pharaoh's serpents. This is the same individual who held up his staff and parted the Red Sea. And now he's in the position of where he's like, God, I, I want you to show me your glory. So God says to him, he says, listen, this is what I'm going to do. Because no man can live and see me face to face. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hide you in this cliff, right? And I'm going to go past. And when I go past, now I'm going to show you my, my, my back is going to be towards you. So that's what you're going to see. So let's understand this. God has no problem with exposing who he is. And this is what, if we ask, if we ask, and this is what Moses did. So Exodus 34, 6 and 7, this is the Lord. Now, the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed this. He said, the Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. 
but he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren of the third and fourth generation. So it's a lot to impact here. So we're going to impact it, y'all. I know you see the, lot, the, the um, words that are highlighted. So we're going to walk through this thing, all right? You going to bear with me? Yes. Amen. So Lord, when we look at Lord, Lord means the eternal one, self-existence, and covenant relationship with his people, right? He has a resource available to him. He needs to depend on no one. God doesn't need anyone. Everything, he's the, remember what I said, what father means, he's the source of life. So he doesn't need anyone. Now, again, remember what I was saying, that the Old Testament, he's, he's declaring who he is, in the New Testament, he manifests who he is. So what did we see Jesus demonstrate? What he was like. He was not limited by this physical world at all. What does it tell us? It tells us that he turned water into wine. He multiplied three loaves and two fish. He calmed the seas. So look, he, he wasn't limited to this physical world. Here's a newsflash. If the spirit is, remember what I said, we are imitators, right? Now, if the spirit of God is in us, we operate the same way, y'all. We're not, he's not limited. So now the spirit that's dwelling and living inside of us, that means now he's not limited, even though he's inside of us. By faith, now we can now move certain things in our lives. I'm not talking about magic. I'm talking about now we're dependent and leaning on God to where now God, now when we speak, because the spirit, what happened when you seen in Genesis when he said, now the spirit, when God spoke, the spirit hovered. That means that the spirit rests like a dove. He rests. So now, watch this, you could speak in somebody's life. It could change their whole destination. It can transform their life. They, they came to you broken, upset, but after they left, they had a newfound mind. They were renewed. He says here, compassionate, right? This is, this is the Lord God telling Moses this of his nature, of who he is. He says, compassionate. Compassionate means showing sympathy and concern for others. God he is concerned about you, not just you, but even the sufferings that is going on in this world. Look, Jesus manifested. So one of the passages of scripture I have is in Matthew 20 and 34. This was when there were two blind men, right? And they were asking, they were yelling out to God, Jesus, Jesus, help, help, help us to see, heal us, right? Now, Look at this, because sometimes there were people there that was telling them, Shh, be quiet. Look, how persistent are you going to be? He's telling us he's compassionate, but how persistent are you going to be? Because when people were telling them to be quiet, they continued to cry out. I never forget, right, when um, I used to, now, it's not just moms, but I used to hide myself in the bathroom from the kids, y'all. I ain't going to lie to you. I used to hide myself in the, in the bathroom from the kids, right? Well, Eden was a little thing at this time, so I was in the bathroom, you know what I mean? And so she, I heard her get up, and I heard her footsteps moving around, and I knew she was looking for me. And I was like, if I be quiet, maybe, 
you know. But she found out I was in the bathroom. And so she kept knocking on the door. And I didn't say nothing at first. Because I was like, well, maybe she will just go away. But she kept knocking. And she said, I know you in there. But look, wait a minute. Watch this. I still wasn't saying anything. But then she stuck her hand under the door and started to wiggle her fingers, right? But I had compassion because she wanted something to eat. That, because she stayed persistent. And that's a lot of times what we see in scripture, they were persistent in calling, like, like they had a clear identification who Jesus was. And so what they did was, it's like, no, he's the Messiah. He's the, he's the only way I can, get the, I can be able to get healed, so I'm going to call out to him. I'm, I don't care what you say. Keep going, go on, go on about your business. No, I'm going to keep persevering. I'm going to keep pressing towards him. Listen, how many times have we prayed about something, and because it didn't move how we wanted to move, we give up? When he's telling us his nature, he's compassionate. The next one, gracious. Gracious means to, to, to favor, to show kindness. God is not trying to punish you. Let me say that again. God is not trying to punish you. He is willing to help anytime we need him to. He's not sitting up there saying, yeah, that's what you get. See, I want to change the perception because some people, when we, when we are separated from his word, our perception about him is that we think he's a tyrant when really he's like, I'm beckoning you to come to me because I want to I wanna help you because I love you and because I'm gracious over you. I want you to know, I want you to experience all that I have for you. It's us that says, nah, I'm not good enough. Nah, I ain't, nah, I'm, I'm messed up. I'm jacked up. Amen. Slow to anger and long-suffering. That's what slow to anger means is long-suffering. It means he takes a long time to get angry. God is not bipolar, y'all. <laughs> He's not sitting up in heaven mad and frustrated because you didn't pray. Or you didn't read your word. Now, don't get me, don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. I'm not encouraging you to live like that. We're not practicing sin now. And we're not practicing living outside of God's will. But because you didn't do your devotional one day, now you're saying, you know what? I didn't, I didn't kick the bucket. God is just done with me. I'm no longer good. I'm not even worthy. of. No, he's, he's long-suffering, meaning that he's patient. Look, we've seen that on the cross with Jesus. When he was on the cross, right, what happened? They were saying, crucify him, kill him. What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We got to ask ourselves a question, though. Are we patient with people? What, What about the people that get on our nerves? Are we like the disciples and say, God, we're going to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? No, what did Jesus tell them? Y'all speaking foolish. So, again, again, when the spirit now lives inside of us, we operate. You got to understand when he's talking about, he's talking about all character traits 
of the fruit of the Spirit. So when the Spirit is living inside of us, we operate from the perspective, even if I don't get along with an individual, I'm patient with them. Doesn't mean now, because we, got, we can't get them screwed. We can't say, I just don't deal with them because they're going to push me over the edge. No, you got to understand that they're created in the image of God. God loves them. So if there's any moments to where we have to minister effectively and show love, we got to do it. Yes. We got to do it. It says here, abounding. Abounding is overflowing, meaning that that's just constantly coming out of him. So he's saying, this is what's coming out of me. Faithful love and truth, right? Faithful love is defined as loyal love, goodness, and kindness. Meaning that even when you don't deserve it, he's showing you love and kindness over and over and over again. We see that with Jesus. Jesus was showing love and kindness to people over and over again, but he had a boundary. He preached truth. That means that he didn't compromise to anybody's way. So that means now that we can now tell the truth and love to an individual. If you live in sin, I have to address it, but I can do it in a loving way. And you're going to know that's being done in a loving way because now, as, as the father said, it's abounding out of me. Faithful love is constantly abounding out of me. So he says here, forgive Forgive means to lift up or carry away. This is good right here, y'all. Watch this. Now, this is what he's forgiving. Iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Now, we're going to pick these apart right here. Sin means to fall short. Something in my life is not right. That's what sin is. I'm not what God intended to me, to me to be. So, what does that look like? That means that it might be something physical, It might be I'm struggling with my sexual identity. God didn't create me like this. Something's not right with me. He's saying I'm forgiving that, y'all. Don't miss it. Don't don't hang on the fact of what the sin is. He's saying I'm forgiving it if we turn back to him. Rebellion, some translation it it says that is, is transgression. Rebellion is when I deliberately do something wrong. When I've made up in my mind that I'm going to do what I want to do, that I feel like I'm big enough, bad to do, and that's just what it's going to be, and I'll suffer the consequences, or I'm not even thinking about the consequences. He's saying, I forgive that. I will lift it up and carry it away. What did Jesus say? My yoke is easy, and my burdens, y'all, this was hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus ever walk the earth, we see the father telling Moses this. And Jesus said in the scriptures, he said, I and my father are one. What you see me do, it's only because of the father. So now we're understanding now God now walking in the flesh when we see Jesus. Iniquity is when there is something twisted in me. I desire, it's a desire for me to do the wrong things at all times. That's what iniquity is. I just have a burning desire to do the wrong thing. So what does that look like? Cheating, lying, pornography. I'm going to be transparent for a minute. Before I was saved, I struggled with pornography. When I got saved, it wasn't until I got saved because I was convicted by the Holy Spirit to where I was like, this ain't right. This is 
not right. I, it was something in me, which was the Holy Spirit, letting me know, hey, this, God doesn't desire this for you. You know what I did? I was in prayer one day and I was praying and the Lord told me because I left it all at my mom's house, y'all. I moved out and I had all this stuff of pornography and everything all at my mom's house. And it, it convicted me and I went there. I put it all in a trash bag and I threw it away. So, but we got to understand he's forgive, he's forgiven us. This is what he's telling us, right? So Isaiah, this is a very, very, very famous passage of scripture, Isaiah 53 and 5. He says, but he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities, punished for our peace was on him, and he was healed by his wounds. A lot of times when we look at that word healing, don't get me wrong, there is an outward manifestation of the healing. But he's telling us that he wants to heal us inward. That's right. Yes. Yes. He wants to, he, he, because this, it ain't nothing like, well, if I gave you a clean, pretty cup, and then when you look in it, and it was just as filthy, you want to drink out of it? No. That's the same thing with these temples. They have to be cleansed. They have to be purged out. They have to be now where the spirit can reside and where the spirit now can lead, guide, and direct us. We have to now humbly surrender ourselves unto God to where now we can hear from him and now he can now speak and move through us. Amen. Here's my point. The father loved mankind. You got to We have to get this. He loved mankind so much that he wrapped himself in flesh to be sacrificed so that we we can be redeemed back to him because his desire is to have fellowship with us. Now, it just didn't stop there because now Jesus said there is another that's going to come. The other is the Holy Spirit. So now the Holy Spirit lives in us. What is his job to do? This is some of his characteristics. His job is to help us. His job is to comfort us. His job is to counsel us. His job is to convict us of sin in our lives. Now, when we choose to ignore that, we frustrate the grace of God. Because his intentions, watch this, his intentions is to draw us closer to him so that we can be in an intimate, personal relationship with him. I'm going to finish this off with Luke 15 and 20. You know, it wouldn't be a Father's Day message if we didn't use the prodigal son, (laughs) y'all. So I wanted to give you a backstory on this. So because where I'm going to come from, I'm just going to deal with, I want you to see the father's response or how he responded to the son. But so we know the story. If you don't know the story, the story goes like this, that One day, the youngest son decided to say, you know what, I want my inheritance and I want to go. That was a very disrespectful thing in the Jewish culture for a child to say, I don't want nothing to do with you, but I want everything that you stored up for me and I'm going to go live my life. And the father granted him to do that. And while he was out there, he realized, he ended up realizing that he was in a pit. That he was living below 
what he was living, how he was living while he was at his father's house. So one day he just said, you know what? I got to get out of here. I don't live. I don't need to live like this. So he started to rehearse what he was going to say to his father. You know what? Man, I've sinned against my father. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against my father. I got to get it right. So this is where we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up at 20. 20 tells us this, right? He says, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. There's that word again. He ran through his arms around his neck and kissed him. So what Jesus is painting a picture of, Jesus is painting a picture of how the heavenly father receives us. Because in Jewish cultures, showing that type of affection was not what a man did to another man. So his audience was blown by, their, by hearing that. They were like, wait a minute. What, what you, you got this man hugging on another man? Not only that, if the community was to see this young man coming back, they would then start to denounce him. His life would have been miserable in that community. But it shows us how when someone is lost, how the father now is excited, how the father now is now filled with overjoy, and he embraces the individual, not just embraces them, but kisses them. We're going to continue on, right? So watch the son's response. I want you to listen to the son. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So this is the saying that he rehearsed over and over. How many of us ever lived in shame and, and regret? Because that's, you that's what you're hearing right here. He's living in shame and regret. <sighs> I'm just not even worthy to be your son. Look, look, look at the father's, look at the father's response, y'all. But the father told his servant, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. This shows us that, look, God was, look, the father transformed his old nature. The father wasn't even worried about how, what he did prior to him coming back. The fact of accepting him was more important. Let's get this. How we used to live, whatever our old nature was, God is now showing us that, listen, I'm putting a new robe on you. I like what Peter said. Peter said in 1 Peter um, 2 and 9, he says that we, you are of a royal priesthood. You are of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Look, we are new creation in Christ. It's not his desire it's not his desire to leave us off or forsaken. It's his desire to embrace us, to now remove what was old and put on the new. And now, now watch this. Listen to this. If we go down even further, it says, now then bring, this is the father, then bring the fatting calf and slaughter it and let celebration with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead, is now alive again, and it was lost and now found. Look, that lets us know, y'all, that God is going to have a party when we get that to him. He's going to rejoice. He's going to sit down. And now, watch this. Now, remember the analogy that I used 
about where you sitting down with someone, a loved one, and you prepared a meal for them, and now they either gone or away or they're asleep. Oh, it's no sleeping at this meal because when you know you've been redeemed, oh, you are alert. When you know you've now been saved and you no longer now in your fallen nature because God now sent his son to pull you out of the situation and now you have the revelation and understanding through his intimacy with him through his word. Now you draw closer. Now your heart's now knitted with him and now you become an imitator of him. That's the father's heart. So I don't care what the enemy tried to sow to you. I don't care what somebody told you as you were coming along growing up. No, God already says who he is and he shared his nature with us. He shared his character. Bible tells us that he doesn't want one to be lost. So as you're reflecting on this, I want you to see wherever you might be at in your area. You might have some proclivity. You might have a deficit in your life. You might have some shame or guilt. But I want you to be bold enough to say, you know what? I'm going to now take this step in the leap of faith to draw closer to the Father so that now he can lift it off of me. Who's willing to stand? I want you to stand. I want you to stand. you to stand. Look, you got to understand this, y'all. Jesus said that if you forsake me in front of men, I'm going to forsake you in front of my father. We got to get in the position of now where we get radical for God. We got to get in that position of where I don't care who else is around me. I don't care what they think. But I'm going to go for God for all I know. I'm going to be ridiculous. I don't care how you look at me. I don't care what you say about me. Because they said everything that they said about my Savior. And because I'm going to line up with him. You know what? I, I don't, I'm, I'm just going to live for God. My heart's desire now is going to be to please him. So whatever you say about me, I don't care. Because now I'm going to live out what God has called me to live. Because I'm going to live close to his heart. Father, we ask that right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. That you begin to touch the lives of your people, Lord God. God, we ask that right now, Lord God, whoever is feeling of shame and regret, Lord God, that God, you said in your word, Lord God, that you will forgive, that you will lift off of that burden off of their lives, Lord God. God, whoever may feel like, Lord God, that they're unworthy, Lord God. Lord God, whoever might be struggling and tussling around with sin, Lord God. God, we ask, Lord God, that you redeem them through your blood, Lord God. We know that you are forgiving, God, but let them know, Lord God, that they have been redeemed redeemed, Lord God, that they no longer have to live, Lord God, under the shackles of the enemy, Lord God. God, for your son, Lord God, have broke free, Lord God, every shackle and every fetter, Lord God, in their lives, Lord God. God, draw them closer to your word, Lord God.
God. Let them become intimate knowing you, Lord God, as Lord, Master, Savior, Deliverer, Lord God. God, we want nothing more, Lord God, for your presence to show up in their lives, Lord God. God, whatever the mindset that the enemy tries to sow in their lives, Lord God, speak volume, Lord God, of how you love them, Lord God, how you protect them, Lord God. No matter their circumstances or situation, Lord God, that God, you are a way maker, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord God. We magnify you. We call you great. We call you mighty. We call you awesome, Lord God. We know that everything that you said in your word, Lord God, is going to be performed in the lives of your people, God. You are not a man that you should lie, Lord God. Draw us closer, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Before you leave, I want, if anybody needs prayer, as our prayer partners come forward, anybody needs prayer, you need to touch and agree. You need, you need some other people with you to bombard heaven. I'm asking that you come forward. Don't leave here the same way that you came in here. Don't, don't, don't leave here. People are leaving here, y'all, left and right. Don't leave here the way you came in here. Amen. Y'all be blessed, be encouraged. Enjoy.